Hi, Anya. Julia, it's so lovely to see your face again. It's, it's been, been a while. Long. Yeah, it's been a very long time. Um, I made it back from Montana where I was camping and hiking and hanging out with lots of wild animals. I was in New York City, which you could say there are wild animals here, but in human form. So we've both survived. <laughs> we've both survived our various uh, jungles. Well, I know we're going to save some of your adventures from uh, Montana for a later episode. But you recently sent me an article of a dog named Psycho from the Upper East Side, the mean streets of the Upper East Side of New York City. The desperate mean streets of the Upper East Side. And not only did I send you that article, but I sent you an article that I found in the New York Post. So I normally don't like to advertise that I read the New York Post, but I do appreciate their local news coverage for the New York area, which you're right, it was consistently managed to find sort of odd, quirky stories from the New York area. You're right. It was the New York Post. The New York Times did write a more in-depth article on the story as I had (laughs) later done, did more research after you sent me this article. But to recap for for people who have not heard the story about this white German shepherd named Psycho, S-Y-K-O, this dog had recently killed I I should probably put some sort of a trigger warning for people, actually, because it's a pretty gruesome story. This dog recently killed a toy poodle and lunged at it on the street as this woman was walking her dog past this uh, woman's bookstore uh, whose dog uh, who owns this bookstore and whose dog was inside and snapped the neck of this poodle and basically was almost instantaneously killed. Prior to this incident, this dog had attacked two other smaller dogs before one needed over $6,000 in surgery and the other also needed ER care as well. And in the New York Times article, the question that was posed is, what do you do with a dog like this that has injured or killed other dogs? And surprisingly, this dog is not being euthanized. This woman has a home up and upstate and has decided to take her dog there where they really can't do anything now that this dog isn't going to be in the city anymore. But when you sent me this article, it really began to make me wonder, you know, why do dogs bite? What causes them to bite and just lunge out of nowhere unprovoked to, to hurt another animal but also who's responsible at the end of the day when a dog does bite, particularly if it's a dog that does have an owner. It's not just a stray dog roaming the streets. And uh, it's a really, really sad story uh, because in, in my mind, I think it's very preventable. This incident is very preventable. But as I was digging into research around this, I did not realize how common dog bites are. It's a crazy story. And one thing that, of course, struck me was how useless the city seems to have been in this process. 
and also how localized the recording and the documentation of dog bites are. Like, for example, if this woman's bringing her dog upstate, if I'm her neighbor, I would want to know if this dog has had a history of attacking other dogs. And I think just because it's moving from one location to another doesn't excuse the fact that it's killed people's pets and harmed them and, and all that. So I... I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that the dog isn't being put down, to be perfectly honest. And I think that this woman has to be one of the most irresponsible people who I've, I've read about recently in any of these like pet stories that have popped up in the news. It reminded me of something that I experienced walking a, a dog that I used to have named Lincoln. That was a little Chihuahua mix when I was living in Oklahoma. And I... This is separate from another incident when I got bit by a dog, but this dog lunged out of its backyard. It was in its backyard and it jumped over its fence and attacked my dog. And I was able to get the dog off of him. I kicked him and he scampered away and I went, oh, I was mad. I went and knocked on the door of the owners. Later, I took my dog home. He was traumatized. Thankfully, the dog didn't fully puncture him. He got a little bit of a nick, um, but he was my dog was still traumatized. And I went back to that house, and the owners were there. And I knocked on the door. They refused to answer. And I stood out there for probably half an hour banging on the door, trying to get them to answer um, basically yelling, your dog attacked my dog. And it was completely unprovoked. Again, dog jumped over the fence and just attacked my dog for whatever reason. And when it was clear that they weren't going to come out, I ended up filing a complaint. And again, I was surprised that, and well, I was not surprised. I'd spoken to neighbors. This dog had attacked other dogs before. And... When I filed a complaint, though, I was told they couldn't do anything unless the dog was not in its backyard because it was secure when they went to go check it on his house. It was in the backyard. So because the dog was in the backyard when they went and checked, they couldn't do anything. This Which, is so dumb. It, it did not make any sense to me when already several complaints had been filed against this family these owners and this dog attacked my dog again and it's like well if this dog is known for escaping out of your backyard and biting other dogs at least chain it at least put it on a leash so it can't just get out and oh it, you know I think it's one of those things where it's just we've talked about this so much where Owners at the end of the day are the responsible ones when it comes to their animals. And the one bite dog rule uh, really came to be around in 1976 and it was the law of England. So basically ended up becoming our law in the U S um, and because it was part of the common law, it was not necessarily put into state codes, but over time, it started to evolve where states started to adopt their own laws around how they would handle different cases around if a dog were to bite someone. Mm -hmm. So I had a dog 
that nicked someone at the dog park and they filed a complaint and then I had to send in its vaccination records, had to pay for this person to go check, get checked at the ER or the doctor. So to make sure that they didn't, you know, catch anything or weren't infected with anything. Now I'm not going to lie. I think this person took it a little too far because my dog barely scraped their skin. And I think they were just looking to get back at me and we were at the dog park. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, these things can happen. I mean, um, Anya, you screamed dollar, dollar bills. So they probably I saw know, you and thought. I know. <laughs> and, but, and this was in Virginia. Okay. So, and, but other states have different protocols of how they handle these types of laws. For example, in California, if a dog attack, if a dog attacks someone that seriously injures that person, they can be euthanized for that incident. But it generally takes two or three separate bites uh, for a state to take any type of action against a dog. They don't just say, all right, you bit this dog or bit someone else. Now we're going to euthanize you. It has to be very, very severe for them to um, to take any real action. I disagree with that. I think if I realize that we can get into like why dogs bite. I know you've spent a lot of time researching that, but I do think that you know, these municipalities need to keep a better tab on these instances. Like it should be easier for people to file a complaint about a dog bite or a dog attack. And I think cities need to be a little bit more responsive because it's a quality of life issue, you know, not just for other dogs, but for people as well. Like nobody needs that in their apartment buildings on the street in dog parks so i think it's yeah i know it's tough i'm not like advocating like you know killing people's pets but you know at what point is something a public safety hazard for everybody else I, yeah i agree with you and i think it's you know i recently was walking ruthie in my neighborhood and someone had their dog off leash and I, as I was walking, it was a really big dog. It kind of took what looked to me like an aggressive stance as we were walking. So I started crossing the street and the dog chased us until the owner came out of the store that they were in to grab their dog. And again, it was, I mean, it was a dog that could have killed Ruthie. It was a dog that easily one, if it grasped onto her, it would have been a dunzo deal type of deal. And just, the, I, I, I think owners, there needs to be laws that really punish owners, not just punishing the dog, not just euthanizing the dog, but punishing the owners for being irresponsible. And it doesn't seem to be other than the, uh, the possibility that your dog could be euthanized that there's any real law or punishment against owners that holds them accountable in any real way outside of maybe if someone were to sue for medical expenses that holds these owners accountable at all for how their dogs behave. That's a really good point. You know, people, like, you imagine there should be some sort of system for fines. So there's a financial penalty for people whose dogs are 
showing signs of aggression, initial attacks, because I mean, I mean, once somebody is paying, once somebody is suing for medical bills, I mean, that's already a very bad situation. So how can you avoid getting to that point and instead start to punish people for the events that ultimately culminate in a severe emergency? And I don't know how you do that if you... Uh, prison. Why are we throwing? (laughs) I'm not, I'm not even kidding. If someone, first of all, let's just say their dog killed my dog. I would probably hurt that person whose dog hurt my dog. Right. And I would be in trouble if I hurt another human being. And there are laws now in terms of, I mean, if we're looking, let's, let's talk about gun laws where parents are being held accountable in some respect for negligence if their children get a hold of a gun and hurt someone or kill someone with their gun. Why isn't it the same for a dog who can also be deadly at times? And to me, to me, it's no different. And I think sometimes we have these rose colored glasses on around animals and forget that, yes, they are part of our families. We love them. They are very special and dear to us, but at the end of the day, they are dogs, they are animals, and we cannot predict how they are going to react. But especially if you know your dog does have a reactive personality and it's been documented in some respect, how are these owners not being held more accountable? And and I'm talking about in a criminality sense, more accountable for what their dog does to someone else's dog or to another human. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I did want to go. So I'm really curious, the reasons why dogs bite. And I have some thoughts on that. But first, I mean, how many people are getting bit by dogs in the United States? And is there any like common theme to where those people live? What what are the circumstances in which they run into those dogs? Like any insight into that, or you can imagine. It's so hard to find. just, just last year alone with us postal service workers, more than 5,300 carriers were bit. What? Just us postal workers. And I have oh seen videos where, you know, like the, what are those cameras called ring door cameras or whatever that show a dog lunging outside of their door and people getting chased or the cameras in people's cars that show them getting chased. And it's a really big problem in regards to people not having their dogs secure when strangers are coming to their home, especially delivery workers who, you know, that's a very unsafe situation for them. Um, But the issue with dog bites is they go greatly unreported. And, not everyone is reporting every dog bite if they've been bitten and not every owner is reporting if their dog bites someone because they don't want to risk their dog being taken from them or their dog being euthanized. So it's a really big problem because you can't, the numbers they experts have said are much higher than what is actually documented um, but I mean, if you think about just 5,300 people alone who are U.S. postal workers ha- reported getting bit by a dog, that to me is a really high, high number. Yeah, that is a huge number of people. I mean, those jobs are already kind of tough. Then you have to add in the idea that someone's dog's going to attack you. 
I don't love that. And in 2022, 66 Americans were killed by dog by a dog, um, and three Canadians were killed by dog bites. And that to me also seems very high. Um, and again, who knows if that is not the you know the correct number either. I'm sure right, that's probably a little the, bit more correct in terms number. of that's more easily able to be documented, but that still seems very high to me. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Like, God, I can't believe I'm referencing the New York Post again, but every now and then, like, they, they'll have articles on dog attacks, and every now and then, I know there has been one where somebody's been killed, especially an older person, a senior person walking around their neighborhood, and then just gets mauled by somebody's giant crazy dog and like i cannot imagine that there was no activity with that dog like there was no hint of what of what was going to eventually happen like i find it hard to believe that a dog would just turn on somebody like that out of nowhere but there had mm-hmm. to have been examples of aggressive behavior leading up to that up, up to those really horrible you know instances Oh, absolutely. I think, I think it's, you know, I, I have been bitten by a dog and it was my mom's dog. It was a little dachshund, little dachshund, dachshund, Ben Hogan, RIP. Um, and listen, I was not smart in a certain respect too. I knew he had a little, he was a little nippy dog. He was never like aggressive, aggressive that I had seen, but he had definitely nipped at people kind of like telling them to get out of the way. He was very territorial and protective of his space. And at one point he was laying on my chest and I had my face next to his snout. And I kind of was like doing the thing where, you know, you, you rub a dog's head and you're like, Oh, you're so cute. Yeah. yeah. And I aggravated him and he snapped. And in, I mean, in a split second, he was, latched on my upper lip completely had completely bitten through it and I had to basically chuck this little dog off me I felt I actually I felt bad in the moment throwing this dog off me I had to go to the ER um but the plus side of what happened there is I realized what I would look like with lip fillers because my upper lip was (laughs) my upper lip was so swollen (laughs) And it wasn't for you. I looked ridiculous. (laughs) So I knew that lip fillers were not for me. So I I learned a very valuable lesson there. But I also became a very good lesson for me in the sense of realizing even if a dog knows you well, it doesn't mean that you are immune to this dog acting like a dog at times. And you've met Ruthie and she's very calm, very sweet, very, very timid. And one thing that I, particularly with children, they get really excited when they see her. And I get really frustrated when parents let their kids just run up to Ruthie and like lunge at her. Because one, if Ruthie were to do anything, react in any way, she would be the one in trouble, even though it was the parents fault that their child was not taught how to be around dogs or how to go up to dogs, but also that the parent didn't restrain their kid at all and just let them run up. 
And I always, when I, if I see a kid running up to Ruthie, I'll pick her up and tell the parent to tell their kid to calm down and that they can pet her, but they have to be calm. And that they, sh- and I always say, you should not let your kid run up to any dog, no matter how sweet that dog looks. No matter how sweet. Good for you. Yeah. We have the exact same same issue i would say probably 75 percent of the time will will lie and will tell people he's not friendly and that gets them away pretty quickly because it's the same thing they see him they rush him or they start swinging their hands like you know like some little kids are just like so hyperactive they're just like crazy yeah, they're, he doesn't they're, know what well, they're, doing. they're tiny drunk adults yeah he's freaked out he's like what is this stupid thing that's behaving so irrationally and erratically and so most of the time we'll just tell people he's not friendly and you can look at him but don't come near him there are kids who we can get a pretty good read on the ones who are calmer or who ask if they can say hi to him and he's not really the kind of dog who's just going to let some random person touch him and pet him but what we'll do is we'll give them a treat from the treat pouch on his leash. And so you can give him a cookie, you know, just put in your hand, hold it out to him. Um, he you know, may move his head if you try to pet him, but you can feed him. And so that's been, been our go-to. You know, I think I should start using that tactic. You can look, but don't touch. And you can get close to me if you give me a treat. <laughs> right? You can give me a cookie, but otherwise, you know, three feet, three feet, please. But today I'll, I'll give you an example. We were, I was in our building. I brought smudge in after his morning walk and I was just talking to our doorman and uh, this dad and his really young daughter come out of the elevator and start coming towards us. And the girl gets down on her hands and knees and starts crawling towards smudge and growling. And I was just like, oh my God. So I gave the dad the, you know, the, what the fuck is wrong with you look. And then I just moved myself like in front of Smudge and the kid, and eventually they they figured out that they were not welcome in our three foot uh, perimeter. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I yeah. I um. I really think parents are dumb. I'm not gonna lie. I and this is this is goes back to the question though of who's responsible. They're you know. Dogs, we don't, especially rescues in particular, we don't know their history. You don't know what that dog went through fully. You don't know what could be a trigger for them, what could traumatize them. And people are really unaware in general of how to be around dogs. And that, you know, obviously, if they don't know how to be around dogs and they have children, that trickles down to kids. And I ended up, there was an article, she's a, a cognitive behavioral researcher on, on dogs, Alexander Horowitz, and she had written a piece for the New York Times that was focused on Commander, President Joe Biden's dog, who has been on record of biting their Secret Service agents, and now Commander is being rehabilitated. They did not specify really what type of bites commander uh was was doing um we don't know if people were actually punctured or if it was little nips and more of just like get away from me um but she wrote a really interesting article that was in the defense of commander 
um, because her belief is that people don't understand dogs enough. And because we don't understand dogs and we don't understand why they bite, we punish dog biting inappropriately, not correctly. And we're not dealing with the issue in a way that is actually helping people and actually helping rehabilitate these dogs. So from the article, she wrote, when we read about biting dogs, it is often assumed that they are biting aggressively with intent to harm or kill. That is certainly one possible aim of a bite, but a well-socialized dog might do plenty of non-aggressive biting. Some biting we could call gentle biting or mouthing, putting one's mouth on a person often when the dog is playing or excited. These are not aggressive bites, nor are they typically damaging ones. There is also a warning bite. A dog might snap her teeth defensively if startled or afraid. The resultant bite could be damaging, but the intent is not aggressive. A bite could be done reflexively, as in a case in which a person grabs a stick of interest to a dog or takes his food away prematurely. This kind of protective gesture is an indication that the person has failed to see what the dog thinks of as his own. A bite could be done to scold as when a mother bites when a mother dog bites her puppies, when they nurse too hard or bother her. This bite is an inter-dog communication of a line being crossed. So biting is, in in effect, the way she's describing it and how I understand this piece, Mm -hmm. a way to communicate, not necessarily to cause harm, but communicating a boundary. And because we don't understand how these different bites, these ways dogs bite are different, we can incorrectly assume that a dog is aggressive when really we're not knowing how to respect this dog's boundary, which I found actually very interesting because I have seen Ruthie do that mother dog bite at the dog park with puppies where she, cause I, and I think it is because she did have a litter before I adopted her that she has kind of this maternal instinct. And when puppies get really rambunctious and they try to play with her, she will get on top of them and kind of snarl at them. And the dog owners are afraid that she's going to attack the dog. But I know it's her basically being like, stop being a little shit, play like an adult and grow up. (laughs) Like it's not, you know, it's not, she's not going to attack their dog. Like I know that they don't know that. But it is very much like a warning signal that she's trying to give these puppies. And what is interesting, when she does do a little snap at them sometimes, the puppies kind of are like, okay, I heard you. I I behave now. So us not understanding these dogs is not enabling us to really know how to deal with them in different situations and understand the type of biting they're doing. Our breeder will post videos on Instagram that I think are really helpful of her dogs, especially the parents, once the puppies get to a certain age, sort of doing the same thing, like snapping or snarling at them. And it's not that the mother is trying to attack or hurt the puppy, but it's the puppy has gotten out of line and she is responding to it and basically saying, no, don't do that. Same thing with the like the dad dogs. And it's, it's really interesting. And that's, as our breeder says, that's part of early dog parenting. And she said that one issue that can happen with, with dogs is that if you take the puppy away from the mother too soon, she 
has not had the chance to have that experience with the puppies where she's been able to discipline them. And so you get, you know, dogs that weren't socialized properly or were not sort of taught how to behave by the older dogs in the group. And, you know, those go to owners like six, seven weeks is too early. I think now people are realizing that like 10 to 12 weeks is actually a pretty good, good time for the puppies to be removed from their mom, but also like removed from that disciplinary socializing community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what my mom did when that, when her dog bit me? <laughs> Kiss the dog? <laughs> yeah. I think she rewarded him afterwards. She's like, yeah, he's a little shit, huh? She deserved that. <laughs> he deserved all that. She deserved that for all the stuff she put me through growing up. <laughs> That's right. She, she deserves that fat lip. I couldn't bite her, so good job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but something that was interesting that I also found in my research around, around dog bites is that the number of dog bites has actually risen over the last couple of years. And I was going to ask you that. Yeah. And a lot of this is, you know, I, there, it's more hypothetical, you know, them hypothesizing the reasons, but I think there is a lot of merit to what, dog experts have have um uh argued is that one a lot of people rescue dogs during the pandemic and so they were home with them all the time and then suddenly they started going back to work they started going out more these dogs aren't getting as much socialization they're not with they're not getting as much companionship which can lead to a dog and that and that type of change in their routine can also change their behavior, particularly if they're not getting, you know, a lot of exercise, maybe the way Mm. that they were before. Um, You know, and a lot of these people that got dogs during the pandemic did not do any research. It was more of like an instinct of I'm lonely and now I don't have to work. So I'm getting a dog. So they weren't very well educated. Um, Dogs, also lash out according to research um, when it's hot outside um, Mm -hmm. and are more likely to bite when it's hot out. I I guess something happens internally to what's going on inside of them that makes them feel a little bit more aggressive um, and that it causes more stress, that heat causes more stress internally that can make them become more aggressive. And if I could like jump in for a sec, what, so what's interesting about that to me is a lot of times when I've seen somebody in one of the Australian Shepherd Facebook groups post about like a dog's, like they've got a dog who's great and calm and has never shown signs of aggression and suddenly it bit or snapped at somebody. The seasoned dog owners will always ask, have you taken your dog to the vet? Because they could have something that's hurting them. So they could be sick, they could be injured, and you don't know it. They could have a tumor that is causing them physical discomfort. And I, I have noticed that, like the people who seem to be experienced pet owners, their their first reaction if there is an unexpected bite or snap is, has your dog had a physical exam by a veterinarian? Because something physically could be wrong, and unfortunately, that's how the dog is responding. That's really interesting. 
And that that's that makes sense why uh you know that a dog is basically trying to communicate again something is wrong with them and we don't know what it is. I mean, you can think about yourself too, right? Like when you're sick, if you're stressed, anything that other people can't really see from the outside and suddenly you're irritable and people are like, whoa, what's wrong? And you're like, oh, I just had something really bad happen. I'm having a bad day and I'm just more on edge, right? Like it's not that much different than humans. I feel like when we're experiencing some sort of internal stress or, I mean, let's face it, like when I'm on my period and I'm cramping and I am in pain, I am irritable. Like I I wouldn't come within (laughs) 10 feet of you. (laughs) I am irritable. Um, but you don't bite, so but I, good. I, I don't bite. I, I do my best not to, um, but other things too, that they're contributing to this rise in dog bites are TikTok trends and social media trends where people post weird things or silly things with their dogs, trying to get their dogs to do things, um, that are not natural to a dog to try to put them in these uncomfortable situations. Right. Um, and it, when they were talking about the social media trends, it, it led me to this rabbit hole too, of watching videos of parents and kind of backtracking a little bit to our conversation earlier, who let their, who post these videos of their kids just crawling all over dogs or tugging on their ears and they think yep. it's cute. And again, that dog, to to our point, could be aggravated and snap. And a baby in particular is so much more vulnerable than an adult person and being really severely injured by totally. a dog. I don't even let my yep. niece, like my nieces know how to play with Ruthie they've been taught very well on how to approach her and how to play with her. And if they ever got, you know, any type of, you know, they're kids, some they're going to mess up. But I always am there monitoring it when they're with her because you just don't know. But those types of videos are some of the most infuriating videos that I have watched as far as when I see parents allow that. And experts believe that, between social media trends, rising heat, pandemic dogs, parents being dummies, Mm -hmm. that this is a contributing factor to the rising uh, rate of dog bites. Sounds like, yeah, training is a big issue. Uh, This is probably going to be, I don't mean it to be a loaded question, but I'm curious, does breed have anything to do with this? Like you never hear about, golden retrievers biting people but you know, we recently recorded something about dalmatians and dalmatians believe it or not fall into that aggressive dog category and so i'm curious now whether with purebred dogs or even mixed breeds are there certain dogs that seem more prone to this than others and like obviously you may not know this but it's just a question that i'm throwing out there well the top three the top three breeds 
who are that are on record for the most dog bites are pit bulls, Rottweilers, and German Shepherds. All okay. dogs who have a you know background in some respect or who were bred to be protective. And without going into too much research, and I'm sure I am right on this. I doubt that they're biting their owners. I bet in a lot of these cases, these dogs, these particular breeds are biting out of being protective and territorial in some respect and not biting those who are their caretakers. Yeah. And some of those dogs, as you said, are bred and raised to be um, aggressive guard dogs. Well, yeah. I mean, look at who they use as police dogs. I mean, you right. have you seen those police training videos when they basically they let the German Shepherd loose or, or a Mal? It's I think it's called a Malamute. Is the other? It's like another oh, variation yeah. of the German Shepherd, and they just this person will be covered in some sort of like thick. Yeah, the Michelin armor and the dog will just be shredding it and hanging off of them. (laughs) And then they run back to their trainer and then they're all, oh, cute. Look now, give me a treat. Look, I tore that giant stuffed animal apart, the human stuffed animal apart. But you would not. (laughs) That dog, like I would have, if, if that dog had bitten my face instead of that little dachshund, when I would have had a whole new face. <laughs> yeah. The world would be a sadder place, Anya. I, I would miss your beautiful smile. Face. But yeah, it's, it's, um, I think at the end of the day, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this in regards to who's at fault. You know, we brought dogs into this world, right? Like when you, when I think about Ruthie and the fact that she is a descendant of a wolf, of wolves, right? This dog. I don't think she's from the wolf line, but <laughs> this this dog that gets scared when I open up a cardboard box and runs to the other room, right? Like us humans are responsible for having brought dogs into this world, and also for the different breeds, the variations of breeds, and how we've trained them and how we've bred them for different purposes. And while there are certain, you know, listen. This is supposed to be an animal lover podcast, but let's be real. We all have our favorites. We all have our favorites. Okay. Dogs, in my opinion, though, should not be held accountable in the way that humans should be because they did not choose to be here. (laughs) They did not make an active choice to be here. We made the active choice of continuing to breed them for self-serving purposes. So in my opinion, it is, it's always going to be humans that are responsible for how dogs behave in society. And it is unfortunate when you can't train a dog to behave in society that you do have to euthanize them. Right. And I mean, okay, so let's, look at an example of how this would play out in the human world. If you have somebody who is not able to act with logic or reason, let's say you have somebody who's mentally ill and they commit a crime, 
you know, who's responsible for that? Is it the family? Well, if the person's under 18, maybe even then, I don't know if that's the case. Over 18, forget it. You know, can that person, if you have somebody who's not fit to stand trial, you know, what do you do with them? And so for basically saying that these dogs are not able to rationalize their actions or understand what they're doing or change, then what do you do with them? Because we have to deal with people and I, I get guessing that a mentally ill person might be more sound than you know a dog that has just never been trained out of not being aggressive yeah yeah and I think you know that dog psycho going back to the beginning of our of our episode that dog psycho um and what an appropriate name for that dog um that attacked three dogs on the upper east side killing killing one and, and the end result um obviously that dog you know I, I don't know the background of that dog what it's been through what type of training that dog went through why this woman didn't try to do more to secure her dog um but that dog obviously has severe behavioral issues and i'm sure there are some dog trainers that could would argue that these dogs could be rehabilitated in some respect and it could even be the environment that they're in it could be that this dog living in the city is triggered in a lot of different ways and it, it does not need to be in the city and it's maybe more calm out in the country um i mean i had when i first moved to new york i had two chihuahua mixes that i ended up taking back to oklahoma to live with my mom because they did not adjust well to the city at all it was not a good environment for them and it was a really sad choice that I had to make, but now they're happy. They have a big backyard. They go in and out of the house whenever they want. Um, they get to bark all day outside versus barking all day in a 500 square foot apartment in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, so I'm sure there, there are general cases that you could make that a lot of these dogs could be rehabilitated and we make the same case for humans right where we we say that humans can be rehabilitated um with the proper care and support and i would like to think that that's the case that we could do that with dogs but i also don't think that and with dogs in particular i don't think they know that they're sick right it's not like humans in a lot of cases where they know something's off and they know that they need to get treatment or that they need help and that they can feel the change, fully have a more cognizant realization of the change that's happening once they get the support and help that they need. With dogs, are, are they really able to say, oh, you know what? I need help. <laughs> I need to start seeing a therapist because things have really gotten off the rails. Every time I see a, a child or a chihuahua, I go berserk <laughs> and I need help. For that. <laughs> and I, yeah, the answer is no, they're not going to do that. <laughs> and yeah. So what do we do? This is, God, you always find such good topics. This to me is one of the more difficult ones that we've covered. Listen, I don't think it's a, I like, I'm going to keep harping on it. Humans, 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 humans. We need to better understand dogs, 
especially if we're going to continue breeding them, continue bringing them into our homes, bringing them, you know, into our families. I, I've had a lot of people, you know, I fly with Ruthie a lot and she is, you know, her, her personality is already very calm. So when I trained her, it was really easy to train her. She was a very trainable dog in that respect. But I am always aware too. If I'll ask a person that I'm sitting next to, are you okay with dogs? Are you afraid of dogs? If not, I'll try to sit somewhere, somewhere else because I don't know what other people's experiences are like. And I don't want someone to be triggered or upset by a dog. And I also don't want them doing, if they don't like her, she's going to read off their energy, I feel like. And you just have to be aware of not everyone likes dogs. Not everyone understands dogs. And you have to constantly be in tune with your own animal. And I, and I generally think, too, that people don't spend enough time with their animals and, and get to really understand and know them and what, you know can set them off in some respect, whether it's scared if them being scared or agitated or whatever. So same thing. If I'm at the dog park and I see a puppy, Ruthie will charge the puppy. She's like the, I I don't know, mama bear at the park. Well, she will run up to that puppy and make sure that they know to behave. Even if they, that puppy's done nothing wrong. She just knows. It's her responsibility. She's decided. But I, I'm always around, and I just think that we are, we view animals as you know, as much as I love Ruthie, and I buy her all the cute clothes and the sparkly collars and everything. I think sometimes we really do forget that they are dogs, and we try to humanize animals way too much to a certain extent that we forget yep. that they are not us as much as we want to think that they can fully understand our own experiences and what we're like as people. Preach on you. That was great. I agree with all of that. And now imagine that some of these people have children and just how, how the cluelessness. <laughs> if you, okay. So I, I want to ask you this. It, if you were to have a law in place for people whose dogs were aggressive, and let's say this dog, they know their dog's aggressive and their dog ends up severely injuring a person or another dog or kills another uh, being, what would your punishment be for that human? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think money hurts losing money hurts so i'm a big fan of uh fines but i also think that community service should be something that all people need to do as part of their punishment you know not just okay you did something bad pay the money and now you get to leave but like you are required to spend a certain number of hours doing something awful in this case maybe it's like picking up poop from the sidewalks of new york like you don't do 20 hours of poop pickup you're going to jail and I won't feel bad about it. Uh, your punishment is much nicer than I expected it to be. <laughs> I think I would be like Guantanamo Bay where I would <laughs> I would put them. It definitely would be something where like 
the uh it would be against the human rights international law but like this is great Anya <laughs> keep going <laughs> I'd put the person in a cage in a room filled of really aggressive dogs just barking at them trying to get at them through the cage so that they could know wow what that person felt like who was being attacked by their dog that's and dark. only but I only like for, it but only for 24 hours oh, only 24 hours <laughs> Of thinking that these dogs are going to eat you. <laughs> they won't, but they're fine. They're not going to get through it. It's just to scare them. It's just to scare them. You think, is that too far? <laughs> you know what? I I don't think it's too far. I'm just more concerned about where are all these extremely aggressive dogs coming from and who's in it's charge of It's all the dogs them. that haven't been rehabilitated. It's... <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna send them all to guantanamo <laughs> ship all the bad behaving american pet owners to guantanamo and have these dogs menace yeah. them exactly love it dick good Cheney's job on got this is nothing great. on me dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> you thought he was bad just wait till i'm in charge um on that note Owners, be responsible. If you feel like your dog is, has the ability to bite someone, put a muzzle on it. Leash it up. I don't want to send you to my torture chamber with all the mean dogs. She actually does. <laughs> um, and if you like this episode, please like and subscribe. Leave us a nice little rating. Follow us at the Furfluencers on Instagram and sign up for our newsletter at theforfluencers.com and let us know your thoughts on how you would punish owners who are irresponsible with their dogs who bite other people. This show is going to get flagged by Spotify. <laughs> Thanks everyone. <laughs>